If you would take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3 as you stand. And before we read that, I want to say, in our youth ministry, Emerge Student Ministry on Wednesday night, we have had the opportunity to be going through the book of Proverbs. Just finished that up, but today as, as I preach and as we read together and as we're challenged through the power of the Holy Spirit, know that um, I have been challenged by the wisdom found in Proverbs. And so I hope that you will be the same. And, and maybe if you haven't read all the way through the book and studied the book, I promise you, you will glean wisdom from Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27. So we'll begin reading. It says, When it is in your power, don't withhold good from the one it belongs to. Don't say to your neighbor, Go away. Come back later. I'll give it to you tomorrow. When it is there with you, now. Don't plan any harm against your neighbor, for he trusts you and lives near you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the time of encouragement this morning through song. God, how we've been challenged to uh, reach people all over this world with the gospel and how we can be a part of that to a people group that we don't even know, but that you care about. God, today um, I pray for these that are in Haiti, that are there right now, I'm sure, in the midst of a worship service where the gospel is being preached, songs are being sang, and Lord, we pray that even there, that we would see souls saved and hear the fruits of your labor through those this week and those that have been there for many, many years. God, today we pray, according to your will, that if there's anyone here in this place that needs to be saved. We pray that their heart would be pierced through the power of the Holy Spirit to trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Lord, for those of us that profess to be Christians, may your word challenge us and be sharper than a double-edged sword in our lives. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. It was a Saturday afternoon much like the one we had yesterday, a beautiful Saturday afternoon, the sun was shining, temperature was just right for a little boy of about nine years old to be playing outside. And I can remember my mom calling out, hey, you've got a telephone call. I'm dating myself, we didn't have the cell phones and, and all of that. So I ran into the house and reached for that rotary phone that was hanging on the wall. And I couldn't wait to see who it was because at that point in my life, there was only about two or three people that were going to make a call specifically to me. And so I thought it might have been my cousin who lived across the street who was wanting to play. And so we could hang out and play and have fun and get into trouble together. So I said, hello. And on the other end was Miss Winfred Boswell. Miss Winfred Boswell, my Sunday school teacher of our eight and nine-year-old boy Sunday school class. And week after week after week, she would call. And she would say, I want to invite you and make sure that you're going to be in Sunday school tomorrow. Not only would she say that, but then she knew what was important to me in my life. Back then, I loved anything that had to do with the ball, and I still do. And she would ask, did you watch the Bulldogs play? How about the Braves this year? Are they going to be any good? And then she would say, you know, the weather's getting warmer. Have you been fishing yet? Have you been playing in the creek? And she would ask all of these questions. And I, as most little boys would do, I would, yes, ma'am, I think so. 
Yes, ma'am. And she would continue to ask questions, trying to create conversation with a nine-year-old little boy. Why did she do that? Because she cared about me. She cared about me and my eternity. She cared about me and my life. She wanted to be an encouragement to me. This message this morning, I hope, is an encouragement to you. In the book of Proverbs, we find many, many times where it says, young man, young man, young man. The reason I said that the book of Proverbs has really challenged me and beaten me up is because I can't help but see myself as I read this book. I can't help but see how God's Word is talking directly to me. And so, guys, here's the disclaimer. I, I may scratch around your back door a little bit this morning. Because we can't help but do that here in the context of these scriptures. You know, when we, when we think about these scriptures, and, and, I, and I had the opportunity, as I've already said, to preach through the book of Proverbs in hit-and-miss types of ways over the past six to eight weeks in our youth ministry, this set of scriptures has really gotten my attention. And I hope it gets your attention this morning because I want to look at it through two lenses this morning. You, you say, uh, and I want to warn you because you remember we're going to be here until at least 1.30. I want us to take the three points that we have and I want us to walk through them in the context and through the lens of our church. But then I want to take that home because many of you may or may not know, but my title here is a family minister. And the job of the church is to be an extension of what is going on at home around God's Word and the Gospel, a Christ-centered home. And so I want us to do that this morning. And so if you look back with me in verse 27, it says, When it is in your power, don't withhold good from the one it belongs to. You know, as you'll see throughout these scriptures as well, it will use the term neighbor. And I want us to think about that for a second. When it, when it talks about your neighbor... John MacArthur says in, in his commentating on these scriptures, he says, a neighbor is anyone in need who God brings across one's path. And I think that is very clear, that that could be anybody that comes in contact with us here and at home is where I'd like to look this morning. So this morning, today, number, point number one, today is the day to encourage to edify. When I think about Miss Winfred Boswell, the, she was there to be an encouragement to a nine-year-old little boy. And we had a class full of 12 to 15, sometimes even 20 little boys. And week after week after week, she would call us. In fact, after a while, I would look forward to that. Because you remember, I didn't get any phone calls back then. And so she would ask these questions and get involved in my life. I want to ask you, are you being an encouragement here in God's house? Are you being an encouragement? Because if, if we can't get along here in this place, then where else in the world can we be an encouragement? Where else on the planet of earth can Christians encourage one another than in this place? So we've got to look for opportunities to be an encouragement. Some of you have been such a great encouragement to me and Pastor Robbie, I know, and his family. I want to encourage you this morning and say you're doing a good job. Some of you are doing a fabulous job volunteering in a place like the nursery where you may have to change a dirty diaper. Awana TNT boys, I got one of those. I hear what goes on there. You're being encouragement to my son and other little boys. 
So look for opportunities to, uh, to be an encouragement. And why, why is that? Because we need an encouragement in our world today. I had the opportunity to sit Thursday night and watch, as many of you probably did in wasting your time as I did, the Republican presidential debate. Some of you are already laughing. It was a joke. And possibly one of those gentlemen may encourage us as the President of the United States. And if that's the hope that we have for what encouragement looks like, dear God, help us. So we can change that church and be an encouragement inside of these walls and outside of these walls. Sometimes Christians are some of the most miserable people walking around. Have you, have you noticed that? I, I don't get it because of the songs that we just sang and, and what we just saw in the video and the opportunities that we have here in this country to be an encouragement. What, what's the big deal? As, as my dad would say, it's like we've been weaned on persimmons. We have reason to smile. We have reason to give somebody a pat on the back. We have a reason to use our words to affirm others and be salt and light so we need to be an encouragement here in God's house as the church as God's people the second thing is this today is the day to be energized today is the Lord's day at Trinity today is the Lord's day at Trinity It's the Lord's Day at Trinity. I, I thought we had a rule in that. Were, were we supposed to cheer and, and scream and act like the, the top's going to blow off of this place? It's the Lord's Day at Trinity. I thought somebody may stand up and get all Pentecostal on us this morning. So what? Sometimes we, 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 we show up in God's house and we sing about the blood of Jesus and how we've been saved and we've just heard God's Word in our language. Thank you, brother, for sharing that. God's Word in our language in the first hour. And we, we have the opportunity to, to know as a believer to stand and sing the praises of the One who died for us who loves us, who gives us life. Life eternal. We sitting over here like this. Is, it, is this the position during singing? Is that, is that the way we're supposed to? Is that, is that what it's supposed to look like? Is, is this the position during preaching? That's, that doesn't happen when you preach, does it? We can be energized here in this place knowing that we have Jesus Christ as our Savior. Knowing and anticipating that someone may be saved. But we come in here and we say, well, it's been a long week. I'm tired. We stayed up too late last night. Now we can sit here and rest a minute. 
Kids are in the nursery. They got kids' worship. Thank you, Jesus. Peace and quiet for 40 minutes. To be energized here in this place. For some of us, we walk in, we walk in and we say, yeah, I got nursery this week. Y'all pray for me. Pastor Ben's asked me to teach the middle school boys. I think I might just go on and pray for the rapture. To be energized for the opportunities. That, so what are we waiting on? You think about the time. You know, all this has to do with time. Dr. Tony Evans says that you can look at someone's priorities based on their checkbook and their date book. But I want you to think about some... This blew my mind. Some of the ways in a lifetime. Miss Tina, you're going to like this. We spend 25 years sleeping. Miss Tina likes a good nap. Some of you are not going to like this. We spend 10.3 years actually working. You're like, I knew that was killing me. Taking time of my life. Um, ladies, I don't know if this is true with men. Ladies, we spend one and a half years in the restroom. Some of you men are like, you got that right. Hers needs to go on up a little bit. Ladies supposedly spend one and a half years doing their hair, so that's in addition to their time in the restroom, right? 9.1 years watching TV. Some of you ladies are like, my husband, been, he's already watched his nine years since we've been married. And, and, and this is one, here we go, we need to kiss more. Y'all need to be kissing husbands and wives, y'all need to be kissing because it says that we only spend 14 days of our life kissing our wife or our husband. But this one right here will disappoint you because this is the world that we live in. 70% of our awake life, you probably know where I'm going with this, in front of digital media. 70% of our awake life in front of digital media. So will we be energized about the things of Christ? And be the church. Make the most of the time the Lord has given us. Third thing for our church today, us as the body of Christ, as believers, today is the day to evangelize. Today is the day to evangelize. When Miss Winfred Basel would call me and take the time to call sometimes 15, 20 little boys, that took time. Why did she do that? So that she might have the opportunity to share the gospel. I can remember in that little boy's Sunday school class on numerous occasions at the end of class when the Spirit would lead her, she would share Christ and little boys would pray to receive Him. All of what she was doing to be an encouragement, to be energized as a, as a little boy Sunday school class, and did it for years and years and years and years, was also, also that she might have the opportunity to evangelize in the context that the Lord had given to her. And so we see here in these verses, it says in verse 28, don't say to your neighbor, go away, come back later, come back later, I'll give it to you tomorrow when the time is right, when I get my life all straightened out, is when 
I'll take care of that. It's when I will evangelize. It's when I will be energized. It's when I will have the opportunity to be an encouragement. When it says here in verse 28, when it is there with you. So what are we waiting on, church? What are we waiting on? What are we wasting our time doing in order that we might evangelize? There's nothing left. There's nothing. There's no time left. There's no energy left to be an encouragement, to be energized, so that we might evangelize. We'll say, come back tomorrow. I'll give it to you then. With the hope and the message of the gospel and the love of Jesus is right here in our hands in our hearts, and in our lives. So when you evangelize, you say, look at verse 29. Look at it with me. Don't plan any harm against your neighbor, for he trusts you and lives near you. Listen to this. This right here has blown my mind every time that I read it. Every time that I hear it, every, I'm preaching to myself when I say this. When we are prodded and spurred on by the Spirit of God, in whatever context God opens for us, whatever door that He gives us to share the Gospel and be the salt and light of Jesus Christ, and we don't do it, we plot harm against our neighbor. Now, I'm, t- I'm, I'm getting fired up because it, it, it hurts my heart to know that I do this. That God's people are doing this. When opportunity arises and we don't evangelize, we're plotting harm against our neighbor. And here's the thing. Oh, what an opportunity. Look, for He trusts you and lives near you. You're the messenger. We're the messenger. Say, well, we'll do that tomorrow. We'll do that tomorrow. You say, we embrace the idea of evangelism. We, we, we think that's a great idea. You know, 3,000 churches were polled by Lifeway Research. And 80% of those people in those churches that were polled said and believed and agreed with the fact, I have a personal responsibility to share my religious beliefs about Jesus with non-Christians. They agree with that. It's my responsibility. But listen to this. Those 80%, only 20% of them rarely or never pray for lost people. That's plotting harm against our neighbor. When they're there trusting us and near us. Again, of those 80%, listen to this. 61% have not shared Christ with someone in the past six months. And I wonder what the statistic would be for our whole life. But yet we like the idea, no, I would never plot harm against my neighbor. No, whatsoever. But do we evangelize? And then verse, uh, I'm sorry, another stat for you here, it says, 48% have not invited anyone to church in the past six months. You say, I don't know how to evangelize, Pastor Ben. I don't understand what all that means. Hey, listen, you've got a story to tell, and we've got a church that we can invite people to, and the gospel will be shared 
by our pastor and our leaders while they're here. So we invite them to church. And this is, I, I couldn't believe this. Of those 80%, 8% of those people are hesitant to let others even know that they are a Christian, a child of God. That's plotting harm against our neighbor. Speaking of our neighbors, part two, if you will, that has to do with our church, but we know that, that inside the home is where spiritual instruction happens. Dad, husband, father, this is where it happens. You know, remember, Proverbs is written to, to men, young men, concerning wise decisions as adults. And so, guys, this is where, uh, again, this scripture has challenged me as a father and as a husband ever since God laid it on my heart weeks ago. I want you to look now as we, as we look through the, the context and through the lens of our home. Moms, children, you can relate. Wives, husbands, listen closely. Let's read it one more time through. When it is in your power, don't withhold good from the one it belongs to. Who's your neighbor? In your home. Verse 28, don't say to your neighbor, go away, come back later. Get out of my house, go play outside. I'm too tired. Uh, go watch TV. I worked hard today. Everything that I've done, I've got to rest now. Go away, come back later. I'll give it to you tomorrow when it is there with you. Now, verse 29, don't plan any harm against your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? For he, she, that little one, trusts you and lives near you. Let me ask you something. I was, I, I, I was listening Talking about encouragement in the home, I, I was convicted. Again, I, I'm talking to myself this morning, but I know that there's somebody that needs to hear this. I was convicted this week, Dr. Dennis Rainey and Family Life Today, one of those little minute blurb commercials. You know what I'm talking about? If you listen to WRAF, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. Family Life Today with Dr. Dennis Rainey. If you're not listening to it, it will change your life. God's used that ministry just as they have used Focus on the Family for numerous years. They do a cute little story or something at the beginning, and then he comes on and comments just a few minutes. And then he challenged me. I just felt like he was talking to me in the car. He said, now think about your wife. Think about your children, those that live in your home. He says, now quickly, think of five ways that you could verbally encourage them right now. I was floored. I thought I was going to pull the car over. How many times as, as, as dads, I'm just going to talk to dad because I are one. How, how many times as dads, all we do is just harp on our kids and say, and say, you just need to do right. You need to do your homework. You need to clean up your room. You're a slob. You know, you need to take a bath. You need to shave your face. You need to get up your studies. You need to get out here and quit being lazy and cut the grass. 
Now, I know we need constructive criticism. But you say, no, I don't say that. I don't talk like that to my kid. You don't understand. They've got, they've got nice stuff. They've got a, the, the nicest motorcycle. Or they've got the nicest American Girl doll. Or they've got the nicest video game console. They've got the nicest whatever. Listen, they want to hear you say, I love you. They want to hear, you're doing a good job. I'm proud of you. That middle school boy, you may be thinking, five things to encourage. But we can do it. Because our children, I can remember my dad. Now, he wasn't, he's not perfect, right? I mean, you didn't, my wife, you know, he's not perfect. But one thing that he did and really had to work hard to do with us, but he tried, was that he encouraged. I can remember him working all day in a plant. Hard, laborious work. And then we're ready to play, right, when he gets home. We're ready to play, and, and we're energized, and he's worn out, and he's tired, and he would get out there in the yard, and he would play with us, and he, I know he was sore, I know he was tired, I know the grass probably needed cutting, I know the oil probably needed changing, I know there was a thousand other things to do, but guess what? Parents, our children need our time, not our stuff. They want us to be energized. They want us to be there for them. They want us to, to love on them. Yes, no doubt. We need to discipline them. But think about how far encouragement in the name of Jesus can go inside your home. Husbands, when is the last time you kissed your wife? Four, we only spend about 14 days of our life. Kiss your wife this afternoon, it'll blow her mind. For no reason, right? For no reason, just give her a kiss. I'm not talking about just a bye, I love you, peck on the cheek. I'm talking about a kiss, guys. I mean, let's, let's, let's do it right. I'm talking about married couples now. None of this youth ministry purple. Pink and purple don't mix. Pink and blue don't mix to make purple. So how are we being an encouragement in order that to our family in order that we can give them all that we got, guys? Not what's left. Not, not the leftovers with our feet up in the recliner and the TV on. All that we got. Because, you know, we'll pay lots of attention to people at work and the task at hand and that phone call we've got to take. But what about the ones that God's only given us just a little time with? Just a little time. We be energized so that we might encourage them with words and our love. You say, well, of course I do all that. But here, just like Miss Winfred Boswell making those phone calls, just like my dad coming in from that job, encouraging and energized with the tank is empty. The reason why so that and the reason why is so that we 
present tense, can evangelize our family. Because guess what? In the end, in the end, houses will be sold. Stuff will be given away. Property will be leased or, or sold. Things will break. But in the end, when you... Pastor Robbie and I both have sat with people in their dying days. What do they want more than anything? It's time. They want time with their loved ones. And right now you have time to spend with these people and tell them about Jesus. Verse 29, don't plan any harm against your neighbor. For he trusts you and lives near you. Opportunities that we have. Mr. Curtis Pearson shared with me not long ago about an article that he read in Reader's Digest that a, son, a father and his son, a father and his daughter only have X number of Saturdays with their child before they're adults and they're gone. Do the math. Do the math. We only have a little bit of time. So I ask you, what you waiting on? Will we plot harm against our neighbor here in God's house? Will we plot harm against our wives? who want us to be the spiritual leader of the home, we plot harm against our children, our grandchildren, by not being the hands and feet of Jesus, having the gospel message of the good news on our lips. Or will we just nag and complain and talk about how tired we are? And then, then in the end, wish we would have had more time. Tell them about Jesus.